from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamaidra. And we're the hosts of The Cooler, your weekly dose in pop culture commentary. This week, we're asking the question, is Zootopia the most woke movie of 2016? It's possible. <laughs> Could be. <laughs> also, Superman is super rich and he's not afraid to say it. Mm. Are you? Ooh. And we're going to talk about how Britney Spears' Crossroads was the most woke movie of 2002. What? We are woke. We are all the way woke in here today. From 2002 to today. Full circle, honey. So let's kick things off by talking about childhood films. Don't we all love a good Disney movie? I do, especially as a child. Oh, as a child. But what happens when you have children? You get dragged back into that portal because that's what's happening to me now. I've got three small children. They're all about Disney. And so now we got to find ways to make it fun for Mama and Papa when they want to watch these animated films. Flask. Hello. <laughs> we decided to do a little something-something. All the parents in our in our family, like the aunts, the uncles, the husbands, the wives, decided to get all the kids together and go to a movie theater in Albany that is sort of like a kickback couch. They serve beer and wine there. Oh, yes. the Rialto. Pizza and all kinds of stuff. So we decided to go there and take all the cousins and go see Zootopia. Zuhu? Yeah, okay, you guys probably don't know because I wouldn't know if I didn't have children. Tell us about it. You've probably seen these billboards all around the city with this bunny rabbit and this fox, and they're like cuddled up. And like they're taking like, selfies. Yeah. And... So I didn't know what we were walking into. Oh, oh but we were walking into something. <laughs> so we decided to have a good time. We put all the kids up front. We were in the back with our like beverages. Hello. Um, while they were watching, and then like a few minutes into the film, maybe like maybe 20 minutes into the film, we start to realize that this film is not like your typical Disney movie because they had dropped little bloop, bloop, bloop nuggets throughout the film that parents can pick up on. They weren't like crass, but they definitely were talking about a lot of social issues that are happening right now. Oh, what kind of thing? Well, I'll just break it down. So the story centers around a character named Judy Hobbs, who is a bunny, and her dream is to be a police officer one day in the land of Zootopia, which is like the big city. So let's just call it like a Manhattan or something like okay. that. Yeah. In Zootopia, prey and predators live side by side. So they're like bunnies there alongside like tigers, right? And they're all like hanging out and they, all, and they have a story about how they've evolved and now they don't attack each other and they can live in peace and harmony right mm. hello okay first clue so her parents are telling her that she just needs to settle down now and just be a care farmer she decides to go to the big city she's in the police academy she graduates top of her class then at her graduation ceremony the mayor who is a lion and the deputy mayor who is a sheep make this big announcement about how they're so excited that this is the first prey to be a part of the police department at Zootopia as a part of the Mammal Inclusion Program. Wow. And then the, the film continues. And then the first day when she goes to the police department, the, the guy who does the intake is a tiger. Uh-oh. And he's like, oh, you're such a cute little bunny. And she's like, mm, actually, funny thing, bunnies can call other bunnies cute, but other people can't <laughs> call bunnies cute. And so I was like, okay, second one. Yes. Okay, I see you. Truth all over the place. So she's on, like, doing patrol because she got put on ticket patrol because they were like, yeah, you're very cute. We're glad that you're here. Not really. Marginalizing the minority. Marginalizing the minority. By the way, the chief uh, is actually voiced by Idris Elba. 
Yes. So, you know, I was like, yes. I was like, oh, they yes. put something in here for mama. One step closer to James Bond. Come on. I actually have to go right now. I have to go watch this movie. So you guys continue. Watch the film. <laughs> so she goes into this ice cream shop and there's this whole scene where the fox is in an ice cream shop that is run by elephants. And the elephants are like, you don't belong here. We don't serve foxes oh, here. No. Go what? back to your neighbor. Like, it's a whole thing. And the weird thing is that I read, like, a, I read reviews, and literally nobody is talking about these layers. The only publication that I've seen, or the only place that I've seen really talk about it is Code Switch. Like, Gene Demby wrote On something NPR, about it. Yeah. He had a lot of criticism about it. He thought it was a, a good film, but he thought that it didn't go deep enough and it didn't address social issues. And I do love Gene, but I'm just like, it's a children's movie. And if grown-ups can't address these issues properly and we're mm. still working through it, I'll be damned if Disney is going to swoop in and make <laughs> it right. I just think it's interesting that not many people are talking about it. Yeah. And the fact that they even covered microaggressions like one <gasps> character compliments a fox and says, oh, you're actually really articulate. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Ooh. Yep. And then you were telling me about how a fox touches a sheep's head, like the touches wool on her, her head. Touches her woolly hair. Without asking. Yes. The sheep does not like that, I'm guessing. And they, so they were, the, the bunny had to like let Nick, Judy, her name is Judy Hobbs, Judy Hobbs had to let Nick Wilde know that that is not appropriate to touch a sheep's hair without asking. Like there were just so many moments. And so... Like I said, I don't think that Disney is going to solve the world's problems. They're not going to solve the issues that we have in this country, obviously. And I think it's ridiculous for us to assume that they would. But I think it w- it's interesting for kids to see that Disney sort of is trying to open up the conversation. And they've got a, a, a bit of a history with a covering minorities and people of color. So mm-hmm. I, I'll yeah, say. Yeah, so I, uh, <laughs> I, was, I was really interested. This was, this was interesting. I was not prepared. I'll say that. Do you feel like this is kind of Disney's... We're sorry about all that stuff in the 50s movie. Hey, 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 brown people. Sorry about all that. This is our way of trying to make it right. Full circle. Full circle. I think your kids are lucky to grow up in this time where this kind of stuff is baked into their movies that they grew up with. And then later on, they'll realize like, oh, that was affecting me on a subliminal level from the get. Meanwhile, this is what we were working with. Let's go down memory lane. Oh, hello. Oh, no, no. Pocahontas. The takeaway from that is colonialism is sexy and you're going to get a boo out of it. Hmm. That's one way to look at that Just story. Just colonize me, colonize my people so that I can get a boo. Yeah. Little Mermaid. Literally giving up your voice for a dude works out? Uh, no. Thanks, Hans Christian Andersen. Ugh, you really messed that up for us. <laughs> the worst. <laughs> it's good they didn't go with the original ending of that, though. Which she, is the most depressing thing in the world. He leaves her or something, and she turns into sea foam and dies. Yeah. I'm sorry, where was that ending? In the original fairy tale, mm-hmm. she turns into flotsam and jetsam upon the shore. Oh, I didn't even know that this was based on like an actual story. Yeah, it is brutal. Yeah. It's oh, horrible. Okay. Beauty and the Beast. You will fall in love with your captor. It's fine. It's all these have the same thing in common, which is like, you know what? This awful man doing awful things to you. It's kind of sexy. Cute. He's cute. So just end up with really him. Fine. Non-Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Home Alone. I mean, the elder abuse. <laughs> it's just like, oh, he's old. I hate him. And he's scary. Like, chill. He's just walking in his front yard. He's shoveling. Like, chill. And he's trying to help you, and you keep freaking out. Yeah, he has, like, a tortured family past. But I I think Kevin has proved to be the aggressor quite definitively (laughs) in that film. He is a sadist, for sure. Yeah. Um, That happens again in Home Alone 2, by the way, Lost in New York, where he solves the problems of older people by just being so monumentally glib. Like, all of his advice is like, just talk to them. 
And there's also an old person in Home Alone 3, which does not star Macaulay Culkin. Have I even seen Home Alone we, 3? That's not I canon. That's, that's not canon. It does we don't talk star a young Scarlett Johansson. Oh, I think that's where my cutoff was. I was like, Macaulay ain't in? Okay. No, there's I'm an just... old lady who gets like, actually, not even going to get into it. It's such a long story. <laughs> you should just watch the movie. She gets tied up. It's really sad. And, and they leave the door open so she could freeze to death. It's really oh, cool. she, What, the wet bandits? Oh. It's actually four new bandits. Oh. They're European. Oh, so this is okay. your fault. <laughs> In summary, mm. your children should be very thankful they have Zootopia. And so should we. We should all go see it. Smuggle in a flask. <gasps> well, KQD gets sued for saying that. You will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll throw you right under that bus. I believe the children are future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. So, folks, I'm going to shock you here. Those celebrities that we all know a lot about, mm-hmm. some of them are really very rich. Did you know that? <gasps> no idea. Pearl Clutch. That explains a lot. <laughs> They're all so rich, it's obscene. This was a great segment, Carly. Thank you. That's it. <laughs> I just <laughs> wanted to say that. We're done. The thing about them all being very rich, of course, is that we see that in mm-hmm. pictures constantly. We see the fur coats, we see the swimming pools, we see the private jets. But weirdly, they don't talk about being rich a lot I feel like and you know I'm a big connoisseur of celebrity interviews the mm-hmm. older the better my new favorite one is actually not old it features Henry Cavill Superman in the oh. forthcoming Superman versus Batman film so classic handsome type exactly okay. kind of got a kind of a Cary Grant vibe exceedingly dull He's what does British. he do I mean what <laughs> <laughs> Exceedingly dull is going to be on the back of his book when it comes out. That's his pull quote. I'm not a massive fan, but I couldn't resist reading this interview in which he talks about how he is in acting not for the artistry, not for the meaning it might bring to other people's lives, but basically for the cold, hard cash. Yes, I'm a, I think I'm a fan now. I'm going to follow him on Twitter. This, and this is yes. the thing. It's just so breathtakingly brazen because you never hear people talking about the money they earn from movies, unless it's in kind of a Jennifer Lawrence context in which she's comparing how much she's being paid to someone else who is getting paid more and who might be a man. But it's just so wild hearing this. Okay, and I want to read you some of the most amazing parts of this interview. (laughs) Hit us. Henry Cavill, quoth he. (laughs) (laughs) Only you could pull that off. (laughs) (laughs) Nevermore. I'm slightly wary of saying this because it can be frowned upon certainly by members of my community Mm. and people outside my community, but I'm not just doing this for the art. The money's fantastic. (laughs) And that's something which I deem, and again, it is frowned upon, very important. Hello? He said this in an interview. He also said, when I'm making money, I'm spending it on nice stuff, whether that be lavish holidays for me and my friends or just seeing something and going in a shop and saying, yeah, I want that for the house. Hey, I'm I, buying it. I need him to be on a Drake song. I feel like this is, he would be perfect on like a Drake amazing. song. The best bit is coming up, by the way. And he says, people will be calling me a cock as they're reading this. What? But travel's great as long as you're going first class. <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, traveling to New Zealand in economy, it sucks, especially if you're over six feet. Sneaking in there and he's over six feet tall. Mm -hmm. But first class, I'm not going to ever pretend to be coy about that. I love it. Coy is not one of the things I would use (laughs) to describe him. He then also goes on to talk about how much he loves having a 19-year-old girlfriend. And also he was quoted this week as saying that there's a double standard in terms of catcalling. Here's what he has to say. I do think there's a bit of a double standard, you know. I mean, if a girl shouts something like, Oi, love, fancy a shag, 
<laughs> Never shout to Where's that girl, Where's that girl from? Where's that girl from, by the way? It's Carly, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah, I always yell that at people. When a girl shouts that to me as I walk past, I do sometimes wonder how she'd feel if a builder said that to her. Although, of course, I wouldn't feel physically threatened as she might. All right, thanks for adding that last yeah, thing, but don't feel again. sorry for you. Maybe he can, like, write a paper about it on International Men's Day? November 19th. Uh-huh. Happy to be corrected, but I don't think any woman in the history of the world has ever yelled at a passing man, Oi, love, fancy a shag. It just doesn't happen. Unless you're in first class. <laughs> to New Zealand. <laughs> then that that's where it all goes down. I'm just saying, what happens in first class stays in first class. Clearly, clearly. So this interview is amazing. I thoroughly encourage you to seek it out. But it really did strike me how brazen and crass it is to hear someone in the public eye saying, yeah, I make tons of money and I bloody love it. Remember Kanye's Twitter rant mm-hmm. that he went on last month talking about how he's $53 million in debt. Yeah. So maybe it's a thing to be talking about how much money you have or don't have. Maybe it's like a culture of transparency. I don't know. From my perspective, it's all over hip-hop music. Ah, the, so the like rap and hip hop, it's like the boasting. It's like I got this, I got that. You don't have any of that. Na 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 na. I'm on a private jet, popping bottles, and you're broke. The bragging is what happens there. You don't talk about that you don't have money. Exactly. <laughs> and he did. He laid it out. I mean, some of the, the the best quotes from these tweets. He says, "I write to you, my brothers, while still fifty three million dollars in personal debt. Please pray we overcome. This is my true heart. I don't have enough resources to create what I really can." Yes, I am personally rich and can buy furs and houses for my family. Let's just, just get that part clear. Just in case just, anyone yeah, thought okay. he might not be able to have that. But I need access to more money in order to bring more beautiful ideas to the world. If I spent my money on my ideas, oh my I could gosh. not afford to take care of my family. I am in a place that so many artists end up. My dreams brought me into debt and I'm close to seeing the light of day. I want the world to know my struggle. Mm. See, I think that one is a little different because he's talking about like artistry and he's talking about not having enough resources to create his art. But he's still like, while I'm boohooing, best believe I, I'm boohooing exactly. in a mink coat. I'm not poor or anything, to a guys. glass of like <laughs> crystal. <laughs> I'm thinking of that like immortal interview he gave with Sway as well. The classic, you, you, you don't have the answer. Uh, you don't got the answer, Sway. Let's listen to that. I'm standing up and I'm telling you I am Warhol. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Walt Disney, Nike, Google. Now, who's going to be the Medici family and stand up and let me create more? Or do you want to marginalize me till I'm out of my moment? Or why don't you empower yourself and don't Hmm. need them and do it yourself? Halfway. Take a few steps back. You ain't got the answers, man. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers. You ain't got the answers, Sway. Kanye does not believe that his personal finances should fund his artistry. Can I adopt that for myself in my personal life? That I do not believe that I need to spend my personal money on X. Why should you? Why should I spend my personal money on any of the clothes I wear to work? Or your children's clothes. Hello. Or Zootopia tickets. Forget it. Why? Speaking of Kanye, Kim Kardashian West recently tweeted the following. 
Sorry I'm late to the party, guys. I was busy cashing my 80 million video game check and transferring 53 million into our joint bank account. Emojis with the money tongue coming out of the face and then like bags of money. But the best part about this is her transferring exactly how many millions Kanye's in debt into their joint bank account, 53 million. (laughs) It's like, so you just wanted to get him to zero. You weren't going to give him like five extra dollars or anything. Uh -uh. He doesn't get an allowance. I have to say, one of my very favorite actors, Timothy Oliphant, who's kind of B. I know I don't want to say he's B list because then he won't come on the show. <laughs> yeah, that's why he's not coming on the show. <laughs> we, we, B is for better. B is he's the better list. Yeah, exactly. B for, B for brilliant. Okay. Um, yeah, one of my favorite actors. And he gave a great interview to the Nerdist podcast in which he was talking about being on this amazing TV show, Deadwood. And he was talking really honestly about this show getting cancelled and how he just absolutely panicked when he heard that the show had got cancelled because he just bought a house. And it's so unusual to hear like a movie star, albeit not like a total A-list one, but someone is, you know, you'd recognise him in the street mm-hmm. panicking about mortgage payments. It's you- just something like very real about it and you don't hear it. In a recent Another Round episode, that's BuzzFeed's podcast, for those who don't know, they just had Melissa Harris Perry on to talk about how she was kind of fired slash not fired. It's confusing. Nobody wants to take responsibility. Yeah, Mm. but there was some weirdness at MSNBC revolving around her show and them not supporting it and kind of taking it off air and not giving her the prominence that her PhD in political science deserves. They're just like, eh. Princeton professor. We're going to focus on Trump and not cultural or racial issues right now because Trump is more important. Okay, Uh, whatever. (laughs) Um, So she was on the show and she talked about her negotiations with her bosses and how it got to a point where she was just like, all right, things are weird. I just need an answer from you guys. Is my show going to live on or not? Because I need to renew a lease and I don't live in New York. So I want to know if I should keep this apartment or if I should stay in hotels. That's such a... So granular. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And then she even said in negotiations when it was already decided she was leaving and she was trying to figure out severance or like what the package would be. She walked away too without severance. Yeah, because they wanted her to sign a non-disclosure thing. And she was like, no, I I am a reporter and I want to be able to talk about anything in the world. But she said that she was arguing for what's a small amount of coins to them, but which makes a huge difference to her life and to her family's life. And it just feels great when famous people talk about money in that way, because it's like, you know what? We all are trying to pay our rent Mm -hmm. in different ways. Some of us have bigger apartments. Some of our beds don't fold into the wall like mine does. (laughs) But we're all hustling to pay the bills. And everyone's doing it in their own way. Some more successful than others. Thanks, Henry Cavill, for letting us know how much we have yet to achieve. His girlfriend's 19, by the way. And he flies first class. I don't know if you mentioned that enough. Yeah. So we've reached the part of the show where we must talk about a masterpiece called Crossroads, Mm. starring Britney Spears. Mm. Oh, Emmanuel. I'm me, so I have to. (laughs) Broadly just released this article called Not a Hit, Not Yet a Cult Classic. Oh, a riff on I'm I'm not not a a girl, girl, not yet a woman. woman. I love that they are so optimistic to put the yet in front of a cult classic. (laughs) 
Well, maybe you'll change your tune after I tell you some things. Okay. So wait, what, remind yeah. me when did Crossroads come out? Because all I remember about it is that it had Britney Spears. Zoe Saldana. Zoe Saldana and like Dan Aykroyd in it. That's all I remember. And Taryn Manning from Orange is the New Black. Oh. And there was a drop top car involved with hair blowing in the wind. And sing-alongs to NSYNC while she was dating Justin Timberlake. Oh. So it was like, right. whoa, right. parallel. Looking back in it. Is, yeah. Um, yeah, but w- when was it released? I believe it was 2002. After her second album, so after Oops, I Did It Again, and the music from this film were used to make her third album, which I think is titled Britney. That's the one with her uh, sitting on a porch in neon. Exactly. Mm. You know your stuff. I do. I'm a big big Brit Brit fan. The lead single was called I'm a Slave for You. I wonder if that would fly these days. (gasps) It's a great song, though. You know, I've never never thought about that. For you. you. That was that the one with the snake? Was that the interview? I was going to say that. Oh, that, okay. She, I'm going to tell you right now, Britney had her. I mean, she's still good, but she had her moment. So to answer your question, this came out at her peak. At her, her, at during, her zenith. During the best parts of Britney. Mm-hmm. This article kind of schooled me on some things about Crossroads I didn't know. And I know kind of a lot about Crossroads because I live blogged the entire movie this year. Google yes. it. Google it. It's on KQD Pop. So... As you guys know, it's a best friends on a road trip with Mm -hmm. a maybe murderer in the car. It's a kind of classic road trip movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you would think it would just be like, oh, frilly and like silly, which at parts it is. But it also tackles teen pregnancy, (gasps) rape. Jeez. And being abandoned by your mom. You might believe it was a cynical move by a bunch of white dudes in a boardroom. Au contraire. Mm. It was actually made by a team of a bunch of women including Shonda Rhimes. I know, my heart hurts when I've discovered that. that. My heart. I wonder if this is one of those moments where she's like, mm, let's just not look. Let's just <laughs> she's like, scandal. Let's just not. <laughs> Late night IMDb edit. <laughs> she's actually quite proud of it. Really? I'll tell you. Do tell. So here's how it got made. A woman named Anne Carley quit her job at Britney's label Jive Records to work in film. And she found a great script by Shonda Rhimes, which was a retelling of Antigone, but set in yes, but set in an African American town in the 1930s, and then we got to Britney from there. <laughs> say, exactly, extrapolate for us. How do please, you get sir. from A to B? So unsurprisingly, that didn't get made because hashtag Hollywood so white. They, they, Zoe Saldana once again was the compromise. Bloop bloop. Ooh. Let me sip tea. Ooh. Nina Simone's ghost is up in here right now. <laughs> <laughs> She's pissed. <laughs> But this woman, Ann Carly, really believed in Shonda Rhimes' talent. She's like, okay, so since we can't make this Antigone retelling, how about plan B? B stands for Britney. Let's do something around Britney Spears because she's the biggest white person in the world right now. She was right in putting her money on the most famous white person because they went to the head of Jive Records and said, here's our idea. And he said, here's $10 up front. All you had to do was say Britney Spears. Yep. So then from there, they get a director, Tamara Davis, whose previous credits include Billy Madison, starring Adam Sandler, Sandler. Half-Baked, stoner movie. (laughs) And she also directed Depeche Mode music videos. Wow. Yeah. I was looking at her IMDb today and I was like, oh, that's the thing I'm going to pull from all this. Quite the varied CV (laughs) there. That's your takeaway? So they start making this movie. So the producer, Ann Carley, woman, Shonda Rhimes, writer, woman director woman because they said they wanted specifically for the director position they wanted Brittany not to be taken advantage of Mm -hmm. from like a male gaze perspective and all this stuff so 
from there, here's what Shonda Rhimes has said about having a diverse mm-hmm. cast. She says... It wasn't that it was important to show people from diverse backgrounds. It just felt like the movie should look normal. Most movies didn't look normal. They all looked very oddly homogenous in a way that didn't feel realistic to me. When you put it like that, like, I just want things to look normal. Uh, it's so logical and yes. rational. It's like, how could anyone disagree with that? Can we just send this quote to Hollywood? It's like, screw diversity. We just, just we're, be normal. We're, not, we're just anti-homogenous. That's what we are. We are Normality. anti-homogenous. <laughs> so... Like we said, Zoe Saldana's in it, Taron Manning, and then this random guy who plays someone who went to jail and is like kind of a bad boy, and he maybe murdered someone, but spoiler, he didn't. It's oh, fine. Okay. Oh, thanks for ruining it. But he was unsure of whether he should star in a Britney Spears movie. Guess who talked him into it? Hmm. Shonda. Not Shonda. Justin. Robert De Niro. I'm sorry, what? what? He was doing something with Robert De Niro at the time. And Robert De Niro ran lines with him from the script, and Robert De Niro played Britney. No. And then he was like, you should do this. Is there a video of this? I think it's just uh, a glimmer in our goddess's eye. Wow. Who is the guy that played the uh, maybe murderer? His name's Anson Mount. I didn't mention it before because it doesn't matter to anyone. Yeah, who he, I was going to say, De Niro was like, this will do wonders for your career. Start a movie with Britney Spears. (laughs) When it came to the crew... And Carly, the producer, hired so many women to work the film crew that a reporter asked if she was trying to make a political statement. Oh. And she said, I just hired the best people for this particular job. Women can do things, guys. Yep. Newsflash. So one of my favorite things from this piece by Emily Marth in Broadly is finding out what Britney's two requests in her rider were. Go on. Number one, edamame. Mm. Healthy. Clean eating. Number two, tuna Lunchables. Ooh. You know Lunchables, those things yeah, you open in those little compartments? So she doesn't need that much. She's like, give me my that's Lunchables it. and some edamame on the side, and I'm set. I think the most interesting takeaway from that is that I had no idea that they made tuna Lunchables. Mm. I thought it was just the little turkey or the <laughs> Tell you who did know. Hello. Brittany. The yeah. healthiest option for Lunchables. Well, it's a preservatives, though. Yeah. I mean, surely she could just buy the kind of base ingredients of said Lunchables. And then you wouldn't get the cute choice. little package with the little rip away plastic. I, I don't know. I just, I feel that like the edamame and the Lunchables are kind of contrary <laughs> to each other. But. She has multitudes as any person does, but she has more because yeah. she's Brittany. Mm. Also, to further underline the fact that she was not a diva on this set, everyone just had great things to say about her. Production was like, oh, you love your Starbucks in the morning. We'll go get it for you. Mm-hmm. And she said that she didn't mind. She actually likes going in and getting to decide, quote, And that kind of, like, breaks my heart that she's struggling so much for normality in that space that she's just like, just let me go to Starbucks. It's, like, the only normal thing I get to do. Mm -hmm. Brittany Jean. And they also said that she was super happy on set because unlike touring and being surrounded by her team of, like, adults, she was with people around her own age and staying in the same place for once. And she was just, like, feeling like a normal person. Mm -hmm. That's heartbreaking. Granted, while filming a motion picture and creating an album around it, but... Normal for Britney. And Justin Timberlake was always on the set because they were dating at the time. And everyone said they were very in love and that she had to write as her character in a notebook at one point, And she just filled it with Justin and Britney with hearts. Mm. I have to say that out of the celebrity couples, they were probably one of my favorite celebrity couples. Well, in the double denim alone, yeah. that immortal yeah. moment. I could have exactly done without what the cornrows, but yes. <laughs> I like the, the, the uh, what do they call it? The, the ramen. ramen hair. Oh, yeah. So everyone thinks back on it as kind of like a, a dud, mm-hmm. but 
to remind you, it was made on a $10 million budget. In its first week, it made $14 million and overall $61 million. Oh, nice. Well done. Well done, women. Yeah, what yes. Per- what, percent- what percentage of those ticket sales were went to teenagers? And- so many, including mine. I was there. It was nominated for eight Razzies, and it was panned oh. by all the white dude critics. But it really resonated with girls, and each woman who was interviewed for this piece all say the same thing. Like, it was a great film to work on, and we believe in what we did. And unlike all those other teen girl movies, which is all about, like, being catty, like Mean Girls and Clueless, it's all about, like, being kind of... Shady towards each other. Yes, this wasn't. And Anne Carly, the producer, says, there's no snarkiness whatsoever. We weren't ashamed to be corny. We weren't afraid to be heartfelt. Young women, they're surrounded by judgment and snarkiness, so it was important for us to show the ups and downs of real relationships. So with all that said, Crossroads doesn't get its respect, and Shonda Rhimes is willing to write a sequel. She seemed open to the idea. When you spoke to her. (laughs) When we spoke. And even Brittany tweeted Zoe Saldana recently and said Crossroads Part 2. So maybe this cult classic, I'm going to say it. You're going to say it? Cult classic has some legs. To be honest, I mean, in a couple of months, Zoe Saldana might really be down for that. She might need Mm -hmm. a Crossroads 2 after this Nina Simone. She's getting a lot of flack right now. Sip my tea. (laughs) Yeah, we don't have time to unpack (laughs) the layers of blackface paint that they put on her face to play Nina Simone. There's just not enough time. Ooh. Not enough time. I know I may be young, but I've got feelings too. And I need to do what I feel like doing. So let me go and just listen. So as both of you know, two of the biggest names in R&B pop released singles recently. Well, one released an album and the other released a single. I'm talking about... Zane? Uh-huh. <laughs> single? Rihanna and Beyonce. Uh-huh. I've heard of them. You've heard of them. Those those two. Yeah. So Rihanna finally dropped her long-awaited album, Anti, and Beyonce surprised all of us with a new single, Formation, the day before Super Bowl 50. And although I can't stop listening to work, Desperado, and Formation, I'm not here to talk about those today. Okay. <gasps> I am here to talk about, and I am here to ride off on two songs from pop culture history. Oh. Oh. So this week, we don't have one, but two songs to ride out on. Embarrassment of riches. Hello. (laughs) So do you remember the first time that you heard Beyonce or Rihanna on the radio? Uh, Well, Beyonce and I go so back. So back. 1998. I remember the first time I heard Rihanna, which, did I tell you guys this story? I was in Paris in 2007 because I just graduated and I saw a group of French girls singing this very strange song. They were all linking arm in arm Uh and singing Ella, Ella, eh, eh. And I thought, what the hell is going on in Paris these days? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then only, of course, when I got back and turned on a radio did I discover this was a song by Rihanna. So that's my Rihanna story. So that was after the good girl had gone bad. In 2005, oh, Rihanna released Ponder a replay? song called Ponda Replay, Ponder replay. Oh, from her debut album, Music of the Sun. So let's ride out on that. Okay, yes. Blast from the <laughs> past. Mr. DJ of Ponda Replay. Oh, yes. Now, 
On to Queen B. I think much of the world was introduced to Beyonce and the girl group Destiny's Child, right? Yes. And I think many people kind of caught wind during the independent women single that was on the Charlie's Angels soundtrack. Mm. But me and I think Emmanuel go way no, back. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. When it's really, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. Yeah. Four members, Latoya, Latavia, uh, Beyonce and Kelly. Oh, I and remember these guys. They did a collaboration with Wyclef John for their self-titled album, the first single called No, No, No Part, Part Two. Yeah. Which was a remix. Let's take a listen. This has been your moment in pop culture history. Can we just take a moment to appreciate how far these two artists have come? So far. So far. Beyonce used to have to share a stage with three other randoms. Can you imagine? So before we get out of here, we've got to give thanks to the people who made this whole thing possible, including dropping off the time machine so that we can go back to 2002. Mm-hmm. That was fun. Hello. David Marcus, who is our podcast daddy. Howard Gelman, who is behind the glass, helping us sound perfect. Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs, who was responsible for that nice little intro song which you hear a week to start the podcast, and Jay Simpson, who listens to our voices incessantly while he edits. Thanks, guys. If you'd like to talk to us more on social, and why wouldn't you, I am on Twitter and Instagram, at Teacup in the Bay. Emmanuel is Excuse My Beauty without the E on Twitter, but with the E on Instagram. And Jamidra somehow has taken it upon herself to have two separate accounts. Yes. One on Twitter, at Jamidra Says, and on Instagram, she is at Oak Jamie J. Yep. Like our stuff, guys. See you online. Please subscribe on iTunes. Also, rate us if you like us. If you don't, um, you never heard this. Until next week, talk to you then. Bye. 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 Bye.